Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. The past couple of weeks, I think everyone knows, have been even more difficult than what we've been dealing with since the beginning of the year with COVID-19. We've had protests, the death of another unarmed man by police force, and we also have deadlines coming up on the census, which is how we get the funding for the programs that we need to help the people who most need it. So happily, there is one person with two organizations who can answer all of our questions and keep us updated. I'm so happy to welcome back Susan Racher, Vice President and CFO of the Wallace H. Culture Foundation. This is the group of nonprofits heading up Florida Counts for the Census and also CEO of NAMI Miami, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So I know you can talk to us about all of these things and how they tie in together. Thank you for talking to us, Susan. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to speak with you. And I just want to say that on behalf of both organizations that pursue with passion community outreach and, and community support, we absolutely stand in solidarity with the Black and African American communities in mourning the murder of George Floyd. Amon Arbery, Breonna Taylor, our own Trayvon Martin in Florida, and other violence and racism. And we are working hard both on Florida Counts as well as in our community work at NAMI to support the community. Thank you. Thank thank you you for for having me. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts. I feel the same. And our audience, I'm sure, feels many things, many confusing things. And we're going to address the mental health aspects of this a little bit later. I want to start off with the census because I know we're behind in responding. Tell us again why it is so important to fill that out. The census is absolutely critical for many things that inform our daily life and determine the quality of our daily life. It is conducted only every 10 years. So completing a census in 2020 will absolutely drive funding, support, information, and data for the next 10 years. There are very few things we do that have 10-year impacts. We've always focused on the funding aspect of census, and it's really important. In Florida, every man, woman, child, transgender individual, Every single person who exists in Florida on April 1 draws almost $1,500 a year times 10 years or $15,000 in federal funds that support our schools, our roads, our airports, our water, our waste management, our coastline, our hurricane response, and yes, our response to pandemics and crises like COVID. That's been a lot of the census narrative, but there's an equally important narrative that I want to bring out today in this opportunity, and I'm so happy that you invited me, Ellen. And that is in in light of the continued reminders of institutional racism and problems in our society, we need to make sure every single person is counted and has a voice. Because one of the major outcomes of the census, in addition to allocation of federal funding over 10 years, is 
the allocation and appropriation of our districts, our voting districts, our state districts, our congressional districts, and how we have a voice in our communities to determine who is leading us and who is making those important decisions, including the government departments, including the police, including our overall system of you know, civic society. And so filling out the census gives every single person a voice. And I really encourage our neighbors throughout Miami and Miami-Dade and Broward and neighboring counties to please complete your census, both for the receipt of federal funding, for those things that are most important to us and our families, but also to make sure that when Florida goes through its redistricting process, which it will in 2022, that your voice is counted, that your community is acknowledged. Right, because the number of representatives we get is based on the number of people. And the number of electoral votes. Right. So I know that we are behind. You know, April 1st was called Census Day, and that's the day by which they determine if you're living in Florida, then you count if you submit your census. And then there are other deadlines. Plus, we have the issue with COVID-19 and people not having been able to leave their homes particularly for people who are in the areas that need the most help, who may not have computers or internet service where they couldn't go to a library for a number of months. They may not have been able to fill it out on the internet. Right. So I know you have ways that people can access the census with assistance or by mail. And let's talk about where we are in terms of response and where we need to be. Excellent. So um, those are two really important questions. We're in the self-response period now for the census. It's been extended to October 31st. Self-response means that the households are responding um, themselves. And in the U.S., 61% of all U.S. households have responded. In Florida, we are a full 2.5% below that. Wow. We're at 58.1%. And remember, it's households, not population, which is worrisome because a household in a more dense area like the city of Miami will have more individuals. Recall I mentioned each individual brings in $15,000 over 10 years of federal funding. And so in more dense areas, it will be more individuals per household. But the way the Bureau evaluates and analyzes the data, it's by household. Miami-Dade is well below Florida at 55.3%. It's almost three percentage points below the state of Florida. And the city of Miami is well below that at 46.9%. So we're talking about billions of dollars that we will lose out on in services for our community if people don't fill out that census. Billions of dollars, and as we spoke a couple minutes ago, representation. Right. Representation in in our state government, in our local government, and in our federal government. And there are areas of the county that are even lower than the city of Miami. Miami Beach is at 37%. Aventura is at 45%. These are very worrisome numbers. And then there are some tracks in the county that are in the 30s. And it's really important for folks throughout the county and and particularly in communities of color to make sure that their census is submitted 
and that they are represented and that they get the services and the funding for schools. You mentioned before online um, and the challenges which there are of online census completion and the fact that we have had COVID, the libraries have been closed and so forth. Folks can call the Census Bureau and I'm happy to either share or refer you to all the phone numbers, but there's English, there's Haitian Creole, Spanish, and a host of other languages. And you can complete your census by phone. And it takes less than 10 minutes. It's a really easy, easy thing to complete. Also, Florida Counts, which is our Florida coalition that Ellen mentioned at the very beginning in introducing me, Florida Counts is a coalition of nonprofit organizations that have come together to raise funding and re-grant funds all over the state. We have now embarked, because of COVID, on a text messaging campaign and a text hotline. If you hear me and want to reach out, have questions about the census, or need help, text census to 66539. And you will have questions answered. And if you need to speak with a live person, you will be referred to one of us. And it's in English and Spanish. Perfect. So Censo to 66539 or Census to 66539. Outstanding. That will be so helpful. And I can tell you, I finally filled out my census and it really, it takes a couple of minutes. It's so simple. It's basically, you know, they want to know your address, how many people live with you, what are the ages, what's the background. And and there's not a whole lot of super personal information. It's nothing to fear. And like you say, ultimately it benefits us in the long run for the minimum of 10 years until the next census. I'm very glad they've extended the deadline because I understand that the organizations that were going to send people door to door were not able to do that because of COVID. There's been a lot of creative work done and we pivoted immediately in early March at Florida Counts in providing additional funding and supporting our grantees statewide in social media, in digital work. And we actually have embarked on a statewide digital platform that has three components. The text hotline that I mentioned, uh, 66539. You text census or censo in Spanish, if you wish Spanish, to 66539. We also have set up our grantees on a broadcast text platform for free uh, that they can reach out to their communities. And we have also obtained cell phone numbers statewide in hard-to-reach tracks, and we're actually messaging them as well. So we're doing a lot of digital work, and we've signed a a partnership with Dollar General and their ad agency to put census information and our text hotline on 172 stores throughout Florida, including Miami-Dade, with our text census uh, 66539 information, as well as the phone numbers in English, Spanish, and Creole for folks to call in their census. One of the obstacles to census completion has been a fear and distrust. And I do want to take a moment and just say, number one, this information is absolutely private. Two, if, you know, it, it measures who is living at that place of residence April 1st. And that information will not be going to your landlords or to HUD or anybody. It doesn't matter if family members are staying with you April 1st and they're living there and it's not a permanent situation. 
but they're there on April 1st. And so there's been a lot of concern expressed by folks who have unusual, you know, family structures in terms of either who do they count or if there are folks living with them that aren't supposed to be there, will that impair or or hurt them? And the answer is count everybody living with you on April 1st. And the answer is no, that information is not shared. It stays within the Census Bureau. It is not communicated to your local, your landlord, your local government. It is not communicated to anybody. Okay, it so no repercussions. Census. Okay, There are no repercussions. It's safe. Will you now be able to go door to door? Because they have sent census by mail, yes. but a lot of people don't know what to do with it or haven't had a chance to fill it out or would like some assistance. Are you going to be able to go door-to-door canvassing like you normally would in a year when there's no pandemic? Some organizations that we work with have incorporated census into their advisory work, their food banking. So it's not widespread at this point, particularly in Miami-Dade. But the ability to to do uh, some of the outreach that was planned should start happening as the state opens up. And the Census Bureau has what's called a non-response follow-up period, um, where they actually um, knock on the doors of residences that have not responded. And they're still planning August to October to do that. Okay, great. I'm going to mention also when you're talking about deadlines, I was looking at the voters registration deadlines because that is so critical as well. You know, we say that you need the census to start with getting the representatives and then Mm -hmm. we need to actually vote to have our voice heard. July 20th is the deadline for the August primaries. And then in October, you still have time, but early October will be the deadline for the presidential election in November. Thank you. So as long as you're thinking about census and filling out forms, make a point of also registering to vote. And vote by mail is the easy, the application in Miami-Dade is the easiest thing that you can do if you're you know, if, if folks are unsure about whether uh, you'll be able to get out and vote in person or you want to retain the option okay. uh, to vote regardless of what happens. It, I, I completed mine a couple weeks ago. It is simple. Great. Took two seconds online. Great. I'm going to ask you to put on your NAMI Miami hat for a few minutes uh, while we still have time. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, you're the CEO. I follow you on Facebook and you put out some amazing posts that reassure people that what they're feeling is normal. And there's been so much difficulty. You know, everybody jokes about 2020. Can we just fast forward? Yeah. Uh, you know, from COVID to the murder hornets to two early storms for hurricane season and Now we have these protests and that have turned into violence nationwide uh, with George Floyd being murdered by a police officer. It's a scene that we've seen again and again and again. And please, police officers, do not take that as a criticism of you as a group. We understand that an individual is an individual. And we're one of the few communities, you know, and I saw the picture of the officers in Coral Gables taking a knee along with the protesters. It's like it makes me want to cry, you know. But it has to affect people emotionally on top of everything else. You know, how are you helping people deal with this? 
NAMI uh, immediately upon the um, beginning of closure in Miami-Dade, and we're a Miami-Dade organization that also serves uh, Monroe as well, moved all of our programs online. And NAMI is offering nine uh, support groups online every week. They are free. Registration is not required. Just go to NAMIMiami.org and the information and the time is there. We've also seen a huge spike in telephone calls to our warm line. We have phone lines in English, Creole, and, and Spanish for folks who need advice, need to speak with somebody, need direction to resources, sometimes just need to talk. Sometimes it's very serious and, and it could be an individual who is, is contemplating suicide. We have seen a huge spike in activity on our phone lines. We're managing it and we're we're helping as many people as we can. You know, the combining or, or overlaying what we just spoke about with voice and census, mental health is another huge indication of racial disparity on many different levels. You know, if you look at the fact that 13% of our population is African-American, but less than 2% of our psychiatrists are. Cultural competency for the African-American community and mental health is a huge issue. It just, you go down the line in terms of the underinsured population, the access to healthcare, the continual toxic environment that many of our African-American communities are living with, the fear of violence, the fact that a family can't send a, a teenager out at night and have to worry whether they will come home. All this stress comes together in the African-American community. And I think that um, the disparity of treatment and access is something that along with our civic engagement conversations and the protests about police treatment of Mr. Floyd and others, I think it's something that we once and for all need to address and change the narrative. And I heard, you know, I heard an expression that, that really resonated with me from NAMI National, and that was, racial battle fatigue. Yeah. And and it just resonated because it says it all. It it isn't one area, it's everything. It's the fact that, you know, the incidence of mental health challenges in the African American community are equivalent to the white community. But the treatment and the access to care and the percentage of folks receiving care is a fraction of that. One of the things that I was really excited about on your Facebook page, you had a post that Taraji P. Henson from mm -hmm. Empire is, through her foundation, has set up free virtual therapy specifically for people of color. Right. Um, and right. initially facing COVID-19 stressors, but I'm sure they will talk to you if it is also about the ongoing situation with racism in our country. Absolutely. And she did that, you know, in, in honor of her father, who was a Vietnam veteran who suffered from PTSD. And that's, a, you know, that that kind of story is a great stain on us because our African-American neighbors um, tend to step forward and serve in the military at very, very high rates. Mm. And we're not taking care of the outcomes of that in PTSD and in the mental health needs. And, and men generally are less likely 
to seek mental health care, and African-American men are half the likelihood of seeking mental health care than white men. So there is a, a, a huge, significant disparity. And in Miami-Dade and in Florida, it's even worse because we have literally one out of five in the African-American community has no health insurance because we did not do Medicaid expansion. So what could you say to someone who feels that they need someone to talk to, but they feel there's a stigma attached to it? How do you get someone to get past that and make the phone call to NAMI Miami? I would say that every person in NAMI Miami has a lived experience with a mental health challenge. And that is why all of us embrace and and love and are passionate about this work. Um, I would also say that if you are in a room of 20 people, four to five of them in that room have mental health issues. This is not a small or, or silent incidents, right. uh, you know, in mental health. It's one out of five people, one out of five African-Americans, one out of five Caucasians have a mental health challenge. And, you know, because of stigma in some communities like the African-American community, it's more likely to manifest in either, you know, primary care issues, you know, palpitations, stomach problems, and so forth. Um, and in other communities, um, in, in other ways. But it's common and NAMI can help. And all of us have walked in the shoes of those who are struggling with mental health issues, either as family members of loved ones or as individuals ourselves who are struggling and who have found uh, coping mechanisms and and ways to manage um, mental health challenges. So I would encourage a call to NAMI, 305-665-2540 tuning in to NAMI's Zoom online programs, checking out our Facebook page and our website. And, you know, for culturally um, sensitive materials, we we can help. You know, we have uh, programs through NAMI National that address uh, mental health challenges in the Hispanic community and mental health challenges in the African-American community. And, um, you know, the challenges are the same, but the community cultures are different. And, you know, we speak about that and we embrace it. So I would encourage to please call NAMI Miami, go to our website and check out, you know, our resources. And if we, you know, we, we'll do everything we can to help um, if an individual needs a referral or help finding, you know, a suitable clinician, um, we'll do our best to help there too. The other thing I would mention is that there's an amazing organization in Miami called Thriving Mind South Florida. They're what's called our managing entity. They are funded by the Department of Children and Families to act as a safety net for mental health and substance use disorders uh, for Miami-Dade County as well as Monroe. And they are there for those who have no insurance or who are underinsured. It's a wonderful organization, Thriving Mind South Florida. They have a great website and, you know, a a great referral link in the website. And they fund all the mental health providers in um, Miami-Dade and Monroe counties. And it's a wonderful organization. So insurance or lack of insurance shouldn't be the issue. 
Great. Okay. And, you know, when you talked about walking in someone else's shoes, it's something that I've thought about so much in the last couple of weeks that I think we all could benefit from doing a little soul searching and putting ourselves in the shoes of any other person, regardless of their race, their religion, their uh, ethnicity, color, everybody's life experience. We have similarities, but we also have differences. We have different pressures that come Mm -hmm. from our cultures, from our families. And I think it makes people much more compassionate and empathetic to really put yourself in the place of someone else and try and understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I Agreed. would gather that depression is a big thing right now. And anger is mm-hmm. also, you can see it all over Facebook. I mean, people are just raging at each other. And that, I'm sure, is something you could also help people with in dealing with anger issues that they might be feeling or the feeling that nobody's listening, that mm-hmm. you keep saying the same thing and no one's listening. When you can change anger to advocacy... Um, because anger is, a, you know, anger is something that sometimes feels good because you're doing something about something, even if it's not changing, not changing the issue. It, it, it's a it's more comfortable feeling for many people than sadness or or despair, um, because it's it's more proactive. It's less passive. Um, but if you could change that anger to advocacy. And that's what we did at NAMI for those of us who, you know, who were dealt, uh, you know, a, a illness, um, a mental illness that that was challenging to manage. We we moved from, you know, fear and sadness over to advocacy to help others. It's very empowering. And I would say the same thing about census and voting. Um, you know, the beauty about voting and the beauty about census is regardless of what zip code you live in and regardless of whether you rent or own, whether you have a home or you don't have a home, whether you're rich or poor, you have the same vote. You have right. the same number in census. Right. And it's a, it's an equalizer and it's a way it's a way to, you know, to divert some of the anger to action. Okay. Uh, without, you know, w- without having to change your your lifestyle dramatically. And so I really would encourage folks to do the census, you know, register to vote if you're not registered. Make sure your registration is up to date. Try to get, you know, if you wish, um, vote by vote by mail and um, and make sure your voices are heard, because it's the only way we're going to change this this evil in our society and move towards the kind of empathy that you just described, Ellen. Yeah. And I'll add one more thing to that. When you are posting in all caps because you're angry, it chases people away as opposed to being able to talk about it and have a conversation. And then you can engage people and bring them in and start learning to work together. And that is what we need. We need unity more than ever in our community. So um, totally agreed. And thank you for, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you for standing for everyone. Um, I so appreciate that. And I know our listeners do too. The number again for NAMI 305-665-2540. And instead of throwing a whole bunch of numbers and websites at you, we will have the interview posted on our website at easy93.com starting tomorrow so you can listen to it again. And we'll also have the web addresses and the phone numbers so you can find them right on our homepage. 
I can't thank, thank you. you enough, Susan Racher, both with NAMI Miami, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and the Wallace H. Coulter Foundation, the uh, group of nonprofit organizations heading up Florida counts to ensure that we get full participation in the 2020 census. You are uh, such a great uh, contributor to our community. I thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much, um, Ellen. And I, I wish everybody good health, peace. And, and, you know, that, that we get through this all together as a community. A beautiful message. If you have questions about today's conversation, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday for a new edition of Easy's Community Focus. We'll start at 6.50. In the meantime, stay safe and thank you for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.